Action Tribe, if you're interested in healing and balancing your chakras, then you're going to love the live webinar that I'm hosting next week called The Three Secrets to Chakra Energy Work. To learn more, visit my7chakras.com forward slash live webinar. Now, if you've ever wanted to become more consistent and disciplined with your chakra healing, clear the hidden energy blocks and emotions that are holding you back, experience greater balance, higher energy and more harmony on a daily basis, or even raise your vibrations and be in harmony with the universe, then you're going to love this live session. After interviewing over 250 guests on My 7 Chakras, surveying thousands of our community members and connecting one-on-one with numerous listeners, I've realized that there are certain obstacles and challenges that almost everyone faces on their healing journey. And I want to share what has worked for me and people that I've worked with. As you might know, it's very easy to get overwhelmed, confused or slightly demotivated because of all the information out there. But there's an easy way out and that's why I've spent a lot of time putting together this live online event that will help you see the path, shift your mindset, build some momentum and begin or resume your healing journey. To learn more, visit my7chakras.com forward slash live webinar. That's my7chakras.com forward slash live webinar. Seven is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash live webinar. I'll see you soon. My 7 Chakras, episode 269. There's an enlivening power that runs this universe and we can learn to cooperate with it. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Drive? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we provide you ancient wisdom, inspiring stories, and action steps that will help you transform your life. So, if you're new to our show, then I want to give you a warm, warm welcome. And before we actually begin today's episode, I've got a few things to share. Now, firstly, over the years, many of you have said that you'd like to support My 7 Chakras in some way. And that's why I've started a Patreon page for people that would like to support our show. Visit My 7 Chakras dot com forward slash patreon that's my seven chakras dot com forward slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n in case you don't know patreon is a platform that allows you to donate a small amount each month to support the expenses that go into creating this podcast such as marketing and production which can get expensive and this way i'm able to provide you more number of episodes higher quality content and life-changing advice at your fingertips to learn more go to my seven chakras dot com forward slash patreon that's p-a-t R-E-O-N and you can get started for as little as $7. And if you want to start healing your chakras right away, I've got a free gift for you waiting to download your free chakra balancing meditation. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash chakra meditation. That's my7chakras.com forward slash chakra meditation. And so far, everyone that has listened to it has has really enjoyed it and many have seen some amazing changes as well. So start chakra balancing right now. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash chakra meditation. And with that out of the way, let's bring on our special guest for today, Ellen O'Brien. So Ellen, are you ready to inspire? I am ready to inspire and I am ready to be inspired. Awesome, awesome. So, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien is a meditation teacher, poet, writer, and the spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a Kriya Yoga Meditation Center with headquarters in San Jose, California. She has taught Kriya Yoga nationally and internationally for more than three decades, ordained to teach in 1982 by Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. Her message is engaged enlightenment and invitation to live an awakened creatively inspired and fulfilled life now. Mm. 
So really, really excited. Action Tribe, I wanted to provide you some context and background to today's episode before we move on. You see, when I was a kid, my grandfather told me that I had to read the Vedas and Mahabharata. I didn't read them in those days, but I knew deep down that the wisdom that I would need in life would come from there. I knew that the Vedas and yogic scriptures have the information needed to lead a fulfilling life, whether it was the attainment of pleasure, purpose, wealth, and enlightenment. And life has a, has a way of coming back whole circle, right? And that's a, that's a theme I'm sure that you notice from time to time as well. And that's why I'm so grateful that I have a platform that can now make these conversations possible and can make today's conversation with Ellen possible as well. You're going to love today's episode because we're going to dive into the philosophy and guiding principles of the ancient Vedic and yogic texts that will help you attract abundance, prosperity and fulfillment in your life. So make sure you listen to the very end. And if you have any questions about today's episode, then email me at aj at my 7 aj at my 7 So thanks a lot for joining me, Ellen. Mm, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation and uh, thank you so much to your listeners who are tuned in. Wonderful, wonderful. So we always start with some inspiration. So what is your favorite inspirational quote these days and how do you apply it in your life? Mm, I was thinking about um, a quote from my guru, Roy Eugene Davis, who's an American yogi, is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. And there's a quote that he has um, offered over the years that I have studied with him. And that quote is, there's an enlivening power that runs this universe and we can learn to cooperate with it. There's an enlivening power that runs this universe and we can learn to cooperate with it. Wonderful, wonderful. And how do you apply this quote in your life these days? Well, for me, it, it sums up the wisdom that, you know, we are connected, um, you know, to this, uh, you know, absolute reality, to the oneness that is uh, life itself. And instead of being, you know, little um, ego-based units <laughs> out mm. here on our own, trying to survive, trying to make our way, there's another way to live in which we can learn, you know, how to cooperate um, with this divine power and presence. And for me, uh, I would say in the most practical way, it's um, the way it shows up for me is that if I notice that I have taken on something in life as a burden, you know, as a struggle, mm-hmm. like I'm pushing, like you're trying to go upriver, right? Um, and then I say, oh, you know, there's another way to be, you know, there, there's another way to be that I can, I can learn how to surrender, how to let go and um, see how to cooperate uh, with that power and presence. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing this quote. So Action Tribe, the question for today so far is how can you learn to cooperate with the power that runs this universe? So think about that for a second. So Ellen, what inspired you to write your book, The Jewel of Abundance? Oh, um, there's several reasons. You know, one is uh, this is a book about Arta, about wealth, and prosperity. Um, the the second, really, of the four universal aims of life. You know, Dharma to live with higher purpose, Arta. A wealth to learn how to bring forth the resources we need to fulfill our dharma, kama to enjoy life, um, and moksha you know to experience liberation in this lifetime. So those four goals. Um, but and generally we hear a lot about dharma now. You know people are interested mm-hmm. in dharma like they are in yoga. It's become a more familiar word in our English lexicon. You know people say, oh that's my dharma. You know, but we we don't hear much about arta yet and. Mm-hmm. And um, that's because people are confused about it and they have mixed feelings about it. And so I found over the years in working with um, students on the spiritual path of yoga that many wanted to pursue their life purpose. But when it came to how to support themselves along the way, how to have the right relationship with resources and with money, um, there was an ancient split there (laughs) that, Mm -hmm. you know, spirituality is good, money is bad. 
And um, so there's a reason that art to that wealth is one of the four universal aims of life. And um, so I really wanted to help um, myself, you know, and others understand that more deeply. And uh, in my lineage of teachers from Paramahansa Yogananda to my own guru, it was always stressed that we need to learn how to do what we're here to do and how to attract the resources that we need in order to fulfill our, our dharma. So there was that. And then the other piece of it is that it's a much bigger piece for me. It's more of a global piece. You know, there's so much disparity in our world today with resources. And, um, you know, we have the very, very rich, and then we have so many people who are struggling. And um, so it is my prayer, you know, that this little book um, could contribute to having people understand that Arta, that wealth, needs to be related to Dharma. And that there's not, um, you know, we don't have a shortage of resources in the world. You know, we have a problem with our our distribution system <laughs> and we don't have a problem with the source. It's infinite. You know, we have a, we have a spiritual um, awakening problem that, um, you know, you're, you're in the process of um, solving that problem, you know, with your program, like helping people wake up, you know, to mm. the, the infinite divine nature of life and how to live it in a, um, in a joyous way, you know, and in an ethical way, in a meaningful way, um, all those things. So those are two of the reasons why I wrote the book. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, Action Tribe, before moving on, uh, if you're curious and if you'd like to check out the book that we're speaking of, uh, it's a beautiful book, The Jewel of Our Abundance. It has a, a heart green cover uh, with some micro droplets uh, on it. Uh, very well designed. If you'd like to check it out, uh, go to my7chakras.com forward slash 270 book, my7chakras.com forward slash 270 book, and uh, you can learn more over there. So, Ellen, uh, you, you you alluded to the four universal aims. Uh, you spoke about dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. Now, for someone who is hearing these terms for, for the very first time, could you elaborate on these uh, four goals a little bit more? And then we could possibly dive more into artha, which your book is all about, right? Sure. Um, yeah, and really these four uh, universal aims of life which come from the Vedic teachings, from the Vedic scriptures that you okay. referenced at the beginning of, of the program, um, they're about you know how to live a happy, balanced, uh, fulfilled, meaningful life. And, okay. the, and, and you know, if you, if you look at them... Um, you know, Phil Goldberg, who wrote the foreword in the book, I think he mentioned in his foreword that these four goals are like the four legs of a table. <laughs> and oh. they they go together, right? And they're, you, you, you can't really have um, a balanced life unless they're all in balance. And you move one, you move the other. And so... Um, you know, we need to look at them holistically. And so dharma um, is is about living a life of higher purpose, you know, understanding who we are and what we're here for, how to live um, an ethical life, how how to how to fulfill our um, our own purpose too, you know, in this lifetime, you know, we're all here with individual talents and responsibilities yep. and duties. And so Dharma has to do with that. This is an overarching Dharma of simply waking up, you know, mm -hmm. that's for everybody, you know, to wake up. And then we have an individual um, Dharma. We can see that we're all different. We all have different experiences and talents and responsibility so we're here to also fulfill our, our own nature you know so that is uh, dharma to fulfill our our destiny and to contribute you know to the greater good to the well-being as dharma you know refers to support um so 
yeah, so Dharma and then Arta is wealth, and it 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 is really um, the means for fulfilling Dharma. You know, they're connected. So, you know, when we look at those four goals, it, it is not generally taught that wealth and pleasure come before Dharma and Moksha before liberation. So. Wealth and pleasure, in a sense, are constrained by dharma and moksha. So they're um, they're the way of um, putting those goals in the right perspective. You know, if we right. were to start down the road of trying to, you know, gather wealth for its own sake, you know, we could very well, you know, miss living out our purpose in life that mm-hmm. would, you know, allow us to find, you know, the higher happiness and do what we're here to do. And that happens to people, you know, they they go to school, they they get the message that life is about getting a job and making money. And then they come to a point of crisis, you know, right. sometimes a midlife crisis, like, well, who am I really? <laughs> what am I mm. supposed to be doing? So, yeah, so Dharma and then uh, Arta to support Dharma and Moksha. Uh, and, and I mean, Kama, you, you're here to enjoy life, which to me relates to the very nature of the soul, as blissful or ananda so you know the life that we live is the soul life and whatever we do in life if it if we cannot find the deep joy in it um then we're missing you know we we can we can miss our full aliveness so that's a beautiful goal too and then moksha you know to be lined up um to to realize the bigger picture that we're here um to realize you know liberation and in this lifetime Got it, got it. So thanks a lot for sharing. That was a wonderful explanation of the four universal goals or aims that one should have in mind when treading this path on the earth. And I love that you mentioned that uh, once you have your dharma in place or you know what your life purpose is or what your higher purpose is, and once you know that at some point in life towards the end, your goal would be to attain liberation and that life is finite or maybe there is, you know, uh, death after that. That's when I guess we become more serious in our endeavor and pursuit of true joy and bliss and happiness. But at the same time, attaining the resources or being able to attract abundance and money into our lives in a way to fulfill the higher purpose. So I love your explanation that, that, that you that you shared with us. Now, could you elaborate on the word prosperity? What exactly is prosperity and what does it mean to truly prosper? I think that's such a good question and, you know, one that we probably don't ask enough. You know, mm-hmm. to me it's similar to well, what is it to succeed? Yeah. And um, so to me, to prosper is to th- thrive um, and and to, you know, be like blossoming, you know, to be fulfilling our um, potential. And, and it includes every area of our life. It's not just about money. You know, I mean, we, we've heard the saying, you know, health is wealth, right? So. Yeah. Um, to prosper is to prosper in every area of our life, in in our in our health, in our relationships, in our finances, in our um, our spiritual unfoldment, our spiritual development. You know, for me, prospering includes uh, all of that. It's very comprehensive, and it it is really you know fulfilling our divine potential. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. Now, on the same topic, uh, what are some factors that sometimes keep us away from abundance and prosperity or conditions? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I talk about in the book is um, that it sounds really odd, but we actually, I believe, have to become willing to prosper. <laughs> so, you know, we if you know, on the surface level we all think, "Oh yeah, you know, I totally want to prosper. You know, I want yeah. to thrive. I I I want this to happen and that to happen and um 
but my belief is if if we're totally willing um those we'd already be on the way to that right yeah. and so it's a matter of looking in our own mind and our consciousness you know uh, in terms of what's what's holding us back and you know usually there's just like a you know, a thought that needs to be um, changed, uh, a belief that needs to be um, seen and, um, you know, uprooted and, and transformed so that we become truly willing um, mm-hmm. to participate in the ways in which, you know, life will prosper us, you know, and, and I tell the story about you know, I, I'm the spiritual director of a meditation center and have been doing that for more than 35 years now. In the beginning, you know, I felt like I wanted the work to prosper. You know, I wanted it to grow. Of course, I wanted it to thrive. Everybody, you know, whatever you're doing, you want that. But but I also discovered um, that I was afraid, Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I was afraid to, um, <laughs> because I'm basically, you know, shy. I'm, I'm introverted by nature. So um, I kind of had to get over myself, you know, and my willingness to put myself out in front of people, you know, um, and open myself to criticism and, you know, just be willing to show up with what I know, what I believe, what I have to offer. So, you know, it's like that. So I discovered, you know, right in the midst of, you know, what I thought was um, my goal, you know, mm-hmm. to to expand and to grow was also this fear, you know, that was holding me back. Was it just a fear of, you know, showing up? And I think that's not uncommon, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you know, sometimes we know what we want, but like you've mentioned so rightly, showing up is half the battle won, right? Most of the times we don't even show up. And then it's all about battling the demons within, the fear, the discomfort that we might experience. As soon as we, uh, I guess, declare socially as well that we are up for this particular challenge or that we are ready to prosper or that we are making this shift in our lives, sometimes our past or the people in our past have this tendency of holding us back. Uh, but we must go beyond that, right? Absolutely. And in the, in the book, I, I wrote a little bit about what I called the willingness diagnostic. <laughs> you know, we need to apply a willingness diagnostic, you know, and ask ourselves some hard questions about what we say we really want um, and uh, to, to really line ourselves up. Because I, I have found that when we become completely willing, you know, life uh, life is always trying to prosper us that's that's what i meant by that quote you know from my my guru in the in the beginning you know that there is this enlivening force in nature and you know in the book i talk about it as the the prosperity imperative you know everything is being encouraged to grow and to fulfill its potential. You know, we observe it in nature in very simple ways. You know, a tree, given the right conditions, is going to grow. And, you know, if it's an apple tree, it's going to blossom and and bear fruit. You know, but as human beings, we have that same um, enlivening force moving through our lives. And for us, you know, that enlivening force is urging us to fulfill um, our divine potential. You know, these these divine potentials are within us all, in, in a sense, in seed form, you know, as potential. Yeah. So there are always, you know... And then it comes to us as a, as a, you know, our dreams of of the life that 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 we want to have. You know, whether that's a loving relationship or more success in in our chosen work, um, better health. You know, it's always um, this sort of life itself is nudging us um, yeah. to become willing to fulfill that potential. Wonderful. I mean, it's like it's in the interest of the universe for you to grow. 
right? Yeah, that if is. If you don't what, grow, the that universe is, what is not the, doing its job. <laughs> yeah, that's what the universe is interested in, and that's why we have to become willing, um, because then you know we sign up for a really a big ride. You know, my my experience has been that you know the universe always has a much greater vision of good for my life and anybody else's life than, you know, I can possibly imagine. So, you know, I I set goals, you know, I have ideas of, you know, what I think is possible. But my experience has been many times that I just, I can hardly even dream big enough, you know, for the universe. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes uh, I mean the the reference that I like to draw f- from time to time is is that of a Chinese bamboo tree, right? And sometimes we are that Chinese bamboo tree, and we set goals like this is going to happen in the first year, this is going to happen in the second year, this is this this you know this is what gonna, what's going to happen in the third year. But if you see the Chinese bamboo tree, no matter how much you water it and provide the conditions for the first I think seven to eight years or something mm-hmm. like that, I might be wrong. There's nothing. There's no growth. And uh, if you're a Chinese bamboo tree, you might feel like nothing's happening in your life. But after that seventh or eighth year, all of a sudden, I think almost overnight, it shoots up to seven, eight, ten meters. Uh, and and so, uh, like you've yeah. like you've shared, it's like all about planting those seeds, right? It's all about planting those seeds, right. and then letting the universe unfold based on the cosmic plan that it has for you. Absolutely, and you know, with the Teachings and the practices of yoga, it's really uh, comes down to arranging conditions. So, you know, in your uh, example of the bamboo forest, you know, somebody has to, you know, plant it and um, the conditions have to be right. There has to be water and whatever kind of sunlight it needs and whatever is in the soil. So um, with our spiritual practices in in yoga meditation or study those kinds of things that we do uh, lifestyle adjustment are all about um, um, arranging conditions so that you know we are a, a ready and willing instrument for the divine um, you know to be in a sense prospering us mm-hmm. So, Ellen, how did you discover Kriya Yoga? What's the story like? Mm, I um, I met my guru in 1979, um, Roy Eugene Davis. He was giving a lecture in a nearby community, and a friend invited me. <laughs> and so that it was it was kind of simple, you know. I hadn't. Uh, I wasn't raised in a particular religion or spiritual tradition. I, and as a college student, I, you know, was a seeker. I had read, um, you know, some Zen. Um, I particularly liked Alan Watts. And, you know, later on, I discovered that what I liked about Alan Watts was, you know, he was into Vedanta. And, you know, so really he was my my first uh, introduction to Vedanta. But when I met my teacher, um, he was offering, you know, these um, timeless teachings of uh, yoga, of Kriya Yoga that, you know, he learned from Paramahansa Yogananda. And for me, it was, it, it just was a sense of, oh, you know, this makes perfect sense to me. I, I recognize mm. this teaching about the nature of reality. You know, there's one reality that is this life, and we are all expressions of that. So that very basic teaching of Vedanta, you know, Tattamasi, you, you are that. And, um, and I just remember thinking, Oh, this is great because I, you know, I had been to various religious services and things like that, and I always had an argument. You know, like I don't, I don't like what they said there. That doesn't make sense to me. But when I heard my teacher uh, offering this timeless philosophy, it was so clear to me, and I just thought, oh. I want to know more about this. So I started to study, uh, you know, I read the um, Paramahansaji's autobiography of a yogi and um, that was very illuminating. And uh, and then I just began to study with my teacher. And so my path was, was pretty um, simple because it started then and I didn't, 
I haven't never left it. Although I won't say it was easy because <laughs> the spiritual path is simple, but it's not easy. Got it, got it. Now, speaking about not being easy, you have an entire chapter called On Overcoming Obstacles, right? So what does the ancient yogic philosophy say about going through challenges and overcoming them? Oh, I, you know, when I think about that, um, I'm thinking about it's a beautiful verse from the Bhagavad Gita in the second uh, chapter, um, the 40th verse, so 240 in the Bhagavad Gita, that says, you know, on this path, on this spiritual path, um, there is no effort that is lost. Mm. Um, and even a little bit of this dharma, of this um, practice, saves a person from great fear. And so, you know, that's also a favorite saying um, yeah. of mine. And I, I think about it with regard to obstacles that we face is is having a right understanding about our relationship to obstacles. So if you're on a spiritual path, you actually can begin to experience the truth of that saying from the Bhagavad Gita that no obstacle can long prevail because you you come to see the nature of phenomena, you know, as changing. It's always changing, yeah. right? So it's kind of a simple thing. But, you know, when you feel, you know, confronted by an obstacle, you know, it often just feels like concrete, doesn't it? You know, it just feels like something that is not going to change. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you have that insight that it's, one, it's going to change, and two, that you're in it, you know, not so much for a particular outcome, um, even though you have goals, you know, to, to thrive and, and to experience success in certain areas. It, but you learn to hold that um, more loosely so that when an obstacle comes, you, you have this insight that there is an unfoldment that's happening and, you know, greater good is going to be revealed. And so it's a, just a different way of, of seeing an obstacle. You know, we can become so fixated on what we want that, right. you know, the universe is trying to give us something so much better and we can't even see it. Right. Right. This is so powerful because sometimes we can be way myopic in terms of what we had initially intended for that we miss out on the, you know, much larger goal or larger achievement or discovery that is coming our way. Totally. And there's a, there's a story that I, I tell in the book, if I could take a minute and just tell it, because it yeah. reminds me of what you just said about becoming myopic. I, I, I just remembered this one time that I, I had an experience where um, I just was so brokenhearted about not getting what I wanted. And I was just totally fixated on that, you know, how my life was ruined. I, you know, it wasn't, I, I couldn't have what I wanted. And I was, I went for a walk at this spot on the beach and I was walking out this long, you know, pier. And, you know, I mean, I literally was just kind of looking down because I was feeling down. I was just into that disappointment and going around the story in my head about how I didn't get what I wanted and how I was going to get what I wanted and I looked down and there was this little puddle on the pier and all of a sudden I had this just like little epiphany like wow you know I lifted up my gaze and I looked and I was standing at this place where the ocean you, you could just see for miles and miles and miles this expanse of beautiful ocean on the horizon and the epiphany was I thought oh I'm just so fixated on this little puddle <laughs> yeah. that I, I'm missing the whole ocean. And it was, it really was a, you know, sometimes you, you have an insight that's like a cellular experience. It's like, okay, girl, you know, just look up and, you know, stop being so fixated on this one thing and be open to, you know, whatever is coming next, um, because you can trust that, you know, you're on this path of awakening. And as you learn to cooperate um, with the infinite, you know, more good is going to come your way. And, and that's the truth. Uh, it did. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Got it, got it. So could you talk to us a bit about the importance of and significance of surrendering? Because you do mention that in your book, right? Oh, yeah. There's one section, I think it's called Surrender, Surrender, Surrender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, people, I think, don't really like that word because they often misunderstand it and feel like it's... Um, it's giving up, you know, like surrender is, you know, okay, I'm not getting what I want, so I'm just going to give it up. Um, but surrender isn't that in on the path of yoga. Surrender is giving up the illusional sense that you're separate from the source. So it's it's giving up that idea that you're on your own. It's giving up the struggle. So sometimes people, you know, say to me, well, I don't, I don't know how to surrender. I don't understand that thing. And I just say, well, look at where you're struggling in your life, you know, where you're just, you, you feel a struggle. Um, and then imagine what it would be like to simply let go of struggling, just to let that go and know that there are infinite resources waiting you know to be available to you so it's that kind of um opening to possibility so surrender as i see it is is letting go of our limited idea of the self opening up to infinite possibility got it got it so i mean what comes to my mind is the universe is like uh, the ocean right like you've alluded to <laughs> a while back and you can either surf against the wave mm -hmm. or you can surrender mm -hmm. and realize where the energy is flowing in the universe and you can ride the wave yeah and i'm sure riding the wave will be a more pleasurable experience for you <laughs> and for and for the wave <laughs> exactly there's a there's a famous quote attributed to swami sachidananda who said mm. you can't stop the waves but you can learn to surf Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's a good one. Thanks for sharing. Uh -huh. Thanks for sharing. Now, how can working with our chakras help us move towards prosperity and wealth? I think um, awareness of subtle energy is a is a really important um, thing to have. You know, to not be um, totally identified with yourself as the physical body and the ego identity, but to recognize yourself as a spiritual being and to have some understanding of the chakras. So I think your work, the work that you're doing is really important in that way. And uh, in, in my book, I talk about one little exercise with the chakras, which is about uh, learning how to shift our viewpoint you know, as it's related to the chakras. And in particular, um, something that you can do during the day is just bring your attention and awareness to some of uh, the higher chakras, you know, the heart or the throat, the third eye or the crown. And just as an exercise, you can find that your... Um, you can begin to experience a more meditative consciousness and more openness. Um, just even, you know, wide awake, sitting at your desk, uh, mm -hmm. walking down the street, even in a meeting. Um, it's sort of like just raising up your energy and your awareness um, to just tune in. And, you know, once you begin practicing that, um, you might find that it is happening more automatically. Like, you know, there's some signals coming from your chakras <laughs> during the <Yeah>. day. <laughs> or you can just, you know, you can uh, you can tune in, you know, become aware. There's an opening, you know, there's a sensation, there's awareness. And you just take your awareness there, your attention there. And it, it is just like a meditation moment. But it, you can do it eyes open. It's very easy. Oh, absolutely. And also, you know, especially in my community, a lot of people have this question about how do I, you know, work with the chakras, right? Which I think is a fair question. But uh, like you've uh, mentioned, sometimes just our intention of going or taking our consciousness to that particular chakra and recognizing or feeling the sensations and wherever we're, whatever energy we're getting from there, that itself can be powerful enough to 
uh, activate, right? Or to uh, ensure a change in that chakra area. Totally. Absolutely. Intention is so powerful. And also just becoming aware of prana. You know, one of the reasons why uh, meditation is so helpful, quieting the mind and then just becoming aware of energy, uh, subtle energy and um, being able to tune into it. Um, and, you know, quieting the mind is, is a big help as far as that goes. And then, you know, feeling your aliveness beyond being confined to thought activity. Thanks for sharing. Now, in one part of your book, you write about, I guess, the process or the or the thought uh, behind the three words, intend, declare, wow. So what exactly is the significant, significance of this? Intend, declare, wow. Uh-huh. Um, which just as, as you were mentioning a few moments ago, it's so powerful to get in touch with our intention. So this is a prospering like a three-step prospering process so you can get in touch with what your intention is you know to thrive and you can make it um, specific then with your declaration you know you know uh, I you know for, say for me for example you know I am going to write this book <laughs> but you yeah. know but if in in writing a declaration about it I, I would really get in touch with the deeper intention behind it you know I, I am writing a book to in, inspire um, you know hearts and minds everywhere about the power of um, the Purushartas, the the four aims of life, and the ability that every person has to prosper. So my intention would be something bigger and and, and deeper, and then I would um, uh, declare it by you know um, putting it into an I am statement. You know I, I am uh, an author. Uh, who is offering this, you know, so we, we, we craft our intention and bring it forth into a declarative statement that, that literally we, we begin to speak aloud. Um, and then we make a vow, which is, uh, for me, a, a vow is a commitment that you're making to yourself, to your higher self, and you do that by offering your intention and this declaration that you've made you know to um the to god to the universe um for the well-being of all so you offer it and and that becomes your vow you know and and it's something then that is sacred for you it's holy for you you can have a ceremony around making a vow um that it is your offering. It's it's offering it at the altar, you know, of your higher self, something beyond that is just, you know, only to serve you. Um, it, it's a commitment um, to participate with the universe in a very sacred way. Wonderful. And also one uh, statement that I found very powerful for me over the last couple of uh, months, in fact, is... Uh, The saying, success is my duty, obligation, and responsibility. Uh Because now success is not personal. It's not just I'm doing it for myself, but it's my obligation. And in your case, I guess your success, your obligation would be to the readers, right? Because there's so much information that you have, wisdom and knowledge. And so people want to learn about this. And through your book, you're able to share this so that people are able to reflect take action, declare, and change their lives. Uh, absolutely. I, you know, and one, of, one of my <laughs> students, uh, when she read the book, she said, this is about a dharmic prosperity revolution, <laughs> which I thought was such a powerful way to say what I'm up to. You know, and what um, the gurus in my tradition have offered, um, which is, you know, this life, we are here to thrive and to prosper and to make a contribution to life, you know, for the well-being of others. So I thought to describe that as a a dharmic prosperity revolution was really um, quite lovely. Wow. That's that's really, really well put. Uh, could you talk to us about the science behind mantras and your experience with them? 
Wow. That that could be a whole book in itself. And of course, be- <laughs> many people have written that book. I know uh, David Frawley wrote one that is quite good about the science of mantra. But, you know, simply, if we just look at it, um, simply that uh, as a tool, um, mantra has the ability to purify the mental field. And in the path of yoga, that's one of the primary things that we're looking to do um, is to let the mind become quiet so that the um, essence of being, that which we are, is revealed. You know, that's the basic teaching in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra is, you know, what yoga is. Yoga is the stilling of the uh, modifications in the mind. And when that happens, then that which you are, the self, is revealed by itself. So, Mantra is a tool in that way for purifying and uh, quieting um, the mental field. Um, But Mm -hmm. mantra is um, a deep science in that these um, sounds, um, and and it's really true in... uh, uh, various, you know, holy languages, but I'm a little more familiar with, um, you know, Sanskrit. But these sounds that are mantras are are like holograms of meaning. In, in other words, they're not just a physical sound, but they're a metaphysical sound that um, contain within them knowledge, <laughs> um, insight, um, awareness. So, you know, and the Vedas, of course, came with the ancient rishis, um, connecting this wisdom of the nature of reality itself to sound, to mantra, first came as mantra, right? So uh, mantra is a science of um, vibration, of energy that holds um, knowledge and that it has the ability to change our minds and our consciousness as we um, practice mantra. Wonderful, wonderful. And you know, I'm sure that people who are listening to this episode right now um, are able to relate to how sound can have an effect on their bodies, right? Whether it's sound through mantras or sound healing or any other type of sound, they have an effect of uh, healing our chakras and thereby making us feel so much better so much blissful and so much at peace with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So thanks a lot for sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ellen, here's a question that I'm sure is on every person's mind right now is what if I try and try and try and I still don't succeed at the end of my life, I guess, to attract prosperity and wealth or achieve my mission and my purpose. What then? I think that we have to look at, you know, what the parameters are. Um, And what I mean by that is, there's a beautiful quote from a a poet, um, Merwin, a line from his poem that says, if you no longer believe, enlarge the temple. And So, you know, when we come to those junctures in life where we feel like, well, you know, I have failed at this or I have failed at that, um, then I think we we need to expand our point of view um, in terms of, you know, what is the higher meaning in this um, rather than being, you know, fixated on a particular outcome, which is not the way of yoga. You know, yoga teaches us that we have the right to action, but not to the results. And, um, you know, if we, if we just do a little bit of, of looking <laughs> at the way that nature works, we can see that there's always, um, you know, there are certain things that we have control over. Um, but there's always an unknown factor that's beyond our control. So, you know, we basically learned that we don't have control over the outcome, but we do have control over our ability to um, take a wider, more expansive view of our of our life. 
That's great. Thanks a lot for sharing. I think it's really, really powerful for anyone listening to the show right now to realize that we have the right to action, but not always to the results. And the good part is that because we have the right to action, we can then um, use our willpower and 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 so many things that are within our control, our circumstances as well, to to change our life. Mm-hmm. but not be too attached to the results, which may or may not happen. Exactly. It's a, such an interesting way to walk through the world, you know, so we have an aim and we do the very best that we can do. You know, we pull out all stops <laughs> toward our yeah. aim, but all the while we have to um, surrender the outcome, and I mean, that sounds to some people, of course, just like nearly impossible. But when you really think about it, it's about living in the moment, which is, that's what yoga is about. Um, the very first word of the Yoga Sutra is atta, which is now, you know, now yoga begins. And so this not being attached to the outcome is really about skilled, mindful, meaningful, joyful life. Because we don't say, you know, I'm going to be happy, you know, when my ship comes in, <laughs> when this happens, you know, when I when I achieve this or that. We don't attach our happiness to that. Happiness in a yoga life is every moment. Every moment is possible, but not if you're attached to an outcome. But still, you have to you have to play, you have to strive full tilt, you know, we would say full tilt boogie, all the stops out, really going for it, um, but enjoying it completely. And the key to enjoying it completely is um, being, uh, having, you know, uh, not being attached to a particular outcome. So, Ellen, based on what you've shared today, based on some of the stories that you've shared, what is that one action step that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think a useful action step, if if um, you don't yet have a regular spiritual practice, like, you know, meditating each day, even for a short time, I always recommend that. Learn to meditate um, and then sit every day. Um and because this will help to uh, quiet the mind and will help that clear, direct experience of the truth of your being. And that is the most powerful thing. Um, that's the greatest success secret I think there is. And it's readily available. It doesn't cost anything to meditate. <laughs> and you don't need any special things. Um, you don't even need a cushion. You can sit on the floor and uh, or you can sit in a chair and you can meditate and um, go on that greatest life journey there is. Got it. So to read the entire show notes for today's episode, the inspirational quote, the book recommendation, other links and pieces of wisdom mentioned, go to my7chakras.com forward slash 270. It's my7chakras.com forward slash 270 so that you can get all the additional stuff that you might not have been able to capture right away. It is by going down into the abyss that we recover the treasures of life. Where you stumble, there lies your treasure. And this is an amazing quote by Joseph Campbell, Action Tribe. I love this quote. And I believe that each and every one of us is called upon to do a particular life task like we're learning today. Whether it is becoming an artist or a doctor or an entrepreneur or maybe a teacher. And more often than not, this path is laden with numerous challenges and difficulties, and it's never an easy process. And oftentimes, it might seem like we're walking down a long and winding and dark tunnel, and that nothing is working out, right? Nothing at all. And maybe you're making all the wrong mistakes, and you're faltering at every step, and you feel like you're failing even after numerous tries, and that success is not on the horizon. At such a moment, Action Tribe, I don't want you to give up. Keep the faith and keep pushing. Become aware of the terrain and your path ahead because I promise you that if you persist, then the universe will not resist and you will achieve whatever you had set forth to achieve because just like Joseph Campbell put, you will recover the treasures of life. So Ellen, talk to us about one major challenge that you had to go through and then how did you overcome it? 
I think the greatest um, challenge that I faced, and I faced many times in my life, but I'll say in this moment, is uh, self-doubt. And, um, you know, one uh, famous yogi said uh, that there's only one sin in life, and that's self-doubt. <laughs> and he, and he, he meant the, the capital S, self-doubt. And really, you know, experiencing self-doubt is, is doubting God. It is doubting um, the divine self, doubting your own um, potential. Um, and so I have encountered that many, many times through my life. And even in the process of writing this book, which I think is fairly uh, common for authors, you know, you get to a certain point and you think, oh, you know, why am I even doing this? And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if it's going to work out. And and I remember I had a, a story of, I went to my, my husband and I said, you know, what if I just don't do this? You know, what if I just quit? <laughs> it was one of those really low moments. And, and, uh, and, and, I, and I made up all kinds of things. You know, I said, well, you know, I could just quit and then we could, we could travel, we could do this and that. I was really in a space and he was so great thank goodness you know he said well you know it's true you you could just quit and not do it he said but you would not be you and so he was pointing to my dharma and so you know i say this is an ancient problem you know it's the problem of arjuna and the bhagavad-gita right he 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 has doubt and the whole book is about you know trying to overcome that self-doubt so i think um, that's uh, returns again and again whenever we attempt to step out you know into our greater potential we might find that um, obstacle that is called self-doubt so thanks a lot for sharing and I think many of our listeners if not all of them will be able to relate to your story of self-doubt because no matter what we are trying to pursue especially if you're making a transition in our life there's usually some level of self-doubt uh, that that creeps into our lives making us feel that we're not worth it or we're not good enough or we're not you know smart enough for that particular task or role that we are doing and in such a situation uh, we start to doubt our divine self and our potential and we try to find ways out right we want to quit or maybe take the easiest way out and i think as humans our smartness and the way that we evolved was because we always found the easy way out unlike other animals which became extinct but in but in many cases i think we need to pursue and complete uh, whatever we've set forth to do because that is our dharma and that's our human potential. So based on what you've shared, what is that one life lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think the um, great uh, advice that was, was given to me you know, early on is that the best practice that we have, the best spiritual practice, best meditation practice is steady practice. And, um, and so, you know, even in all the ups and downs of life, um, if you can cultivate a steady practice and steady practice means a daily practice, um, that, that has been, you know, for me, not always easy because, you know, um, well, and it isn't especially for anyone I don't think you know if you do travel or something goes on in your family or you know all those things that that go on but still um, to have that commitment that is a steady commitment um, no matter if you feel like you're the best meditator in the world or the worst meditator in the world um, to have a steady practice makes all the difference so Action Tribe, I hope you're enjoying today's session so far. And we aren't completely done yet. We still have the last round still left. But before we get there, let's talk a bit about the concept of happiness. It is the holiday season and all around you, especially right now, there are offers and discounts and promos in stores and shopping malls. And people are gifting one another, right? Exchanging sweets and goodies. And people are traveling and going on expensive holidays sometimes to exotic places. And in all of this buzz, especially if you're struggling financially 
right now you might feel lost a bit sad or incomplete and instagram and facebook can sometimes make life even more difficult right so here's what i want you to remember that happiness is not something you achieve by getting more materialistic things yes the material things that come into your life make your life happy for a while and to a certain extent they're important but the happiness soon drains away but there's a form of happiness that is always available to you and that never dies out and that's the happiness that comes from the center of your heart which speaks the language of your soul because your soul wants you to be happy to be joyous and to be excited and to be vibrant unconditionally because as paramahansa yogananda so wisely put your soul being a reflection of the ever joyous spirit is in essence happiness itself so recognize that eternal happiness that's always available to you and uh, don't worry about the rest oh. <laughs> and with that we are at our last round for today which is called the wisdom round so ellen are you ready i'm ready i think i'm ready <laughs> great so what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received it was a question my mother asked me when i was a teenager she said who do you think you are <laughs> <laughs> that's a very powerful and loaded question isn't well. it isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah thanks a lot for sharing if you could turn back time and spend 1 hour with any person who is uh, currently dead or living who would it be oh my goodness um I suppose Paramahansa Yogananda for me you know that would be uh quite something you know I I have had the experience of hearing my teacher talk about him and you know reading his words but I think that would be quite thrilling um to actually meet him So what is that one thing you do in the morning or in the evening before sleeping that has improved the quality of your life mm. meditation you know just what i mentioned earlier um being a dedicated meditator and you know like i say not always a, a great meditator sometimes uh, it's it's a lovely experience but that commitment uh, to a daily practice and um the um clarity of mind the peace of mind and the joyousness of the soul that meditation uh, can bring has made all the difference to me and if you could recommend one book for our listeners what would it be uh the autobiography of a yogi by paramahansa yogananda got it thanks a lot for sharing so action tribe in fact my last episode that i recorded today there was the same book recommendation <laughs> well they got so it twice today, then that's great <laughs> they got it twice then exactly and uh, so action tribe uh, if you love books which i do which i know you do and especially since you love podcasts which again you're listening to the podcast uh then you would love listening to an audiobook as well uh and i do too i love audiobooks i love the services that i receive from audible.com and they are giving you one free audiobook download just because you're a listener of my seven chakras along with a free 30 day trial so that you can get to check out this amazing service and they've got i think they've got one of the largest libraries of books online and you can listen to that audiobook on your iphone android or kindle and they've got amazing books such as the autobiography of a yogi by paramahansa yogananda which is recommended today as well as the chakra system by anadia judith and a new earth by eckart tolle to start listening to your audiobook your free audiobook today go to my7chakras.com/freebook once again that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book and start listening to the autobiography of a yogi by paramahansa yogananda mm. and also the the jewel of abundance uh, my book that that we've been talking about is also available on on audible awesome yeah. so you can you can either choose between, among the two or you can get both <laughs> and become a member of audible which by the way is a highly recommended uh, platform i oh. i listen to a lot of audiobooks as well do you ellen yes, do you listen to yes yes it's wonderful you know because i have a long commute and um so yeah. it's wonderful <laughs> wonderful for that and i i found i love to read books i'm an avid reader and i like to read spiritual books but i discovered that you 
even the same book that you've read, when you listen on Audible, you you receive the the words differently. It's a very interesting experience. Yeah, especially if the author is reading it. That's that's less, I think the perfect combination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so Ellen, thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your wisdom, for uh, you know enlightening us about the different aspects of ancient wisdom and philosophy and how that can help us lead a better life before you go tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how we can find you i am so grateful for life i i am grateful for being here now at this time in this place you know just for the blessed nature of life itself. <laughs> it's, I know that's a big comprehensive answer, but it's the truth. I'm grateful to be alive and to be having this experience. I'm grateful to be having this conversation. So that's that's it for me. Now, finding me, um, you can uh, go to my website, which is uh, ellengraceobrien.com, and that's O'Brien with an A-N, O-B-R-I-A-N, ellengraceobrien.com. And there, um, there's a tab on my website for events. And in this next year, uh, throughout 2019, I'll be traveling um, across the U.S. um, and offering retreats that are related um, to this book, The Jewel of Abundance. I'll be in um, Massachusetts and New York and California and various places in between. So um, please uh, do check out the events and I will look forward to meeting you. So Action Drive, to learn more and order a copy of Ellen's latest book, The Jewel of Abundance, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga, go to my7chakras.com forward slash 270book. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 270book. You got to get this book. It is not the yoga that you might be accustomed to. It goes beyond postures and asanas and it goes into the philosophy of yoga and how you can use these different um, wisdom principles and life principles in order to guide your life towards your purpose as well as providing the resources and the prosperity and the abundance that you would need in order to get there so really exciting book make sure you get it ellen thank you so much for coming on our show talking to us about how to find abundance and prosperity and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Aditya, it was really inspiring to talk with you and I really thank you for the invitation to be on your program and thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing in the world. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com Download your free gift, get inspired and take action. Transform your life today.